All right, go with me to Luke chapter 15. And I'm going to just continue on what we've been talking a, a little bit about, about son, your home now and understanding the home that we've been a part of. And so again, everyone is very familiar with this, this story that Jesus told, correct? The prodigal son, two sons, younger son asked for his inheritance, left on a long journey, took the inheritance with him. He blew it all on what kind of living? Loose living, wild living. He didn't sow it into the kingdom of God. He sowed it into not the kingdom of God, right? And so what we see here is he finally came to the end of himself and a thought came. Everyone say with me, a thought. That's all it takes. See, the devil thinks he's so powerful and ah, I'm holding this generation. Ah, I'm holding this world. All it takes is a thought and people go, this isn't right. So you may be thinking, oh, I got a family member or, you know, some people are just so far gone. Let me tell you, as you and I are here to witness of the gospel to this earth, all it could just be is one word that plants a seed, one word that gives a thought them to go, huh, I don't actually know if all this stuff is true. And that's all it takes. And you get them down a bunch of bunny holes and they start finding out stuff like this and they come running home. So don't let the devil think, oh, he's got this dark hold on the world and he's going to capture it. No, no, no. The devil is already a defeated foe. He's zilch. He's zero. He's nada. So all that it takes is you and I to boldly proclaim the good news of the gospel. And it is a change of thought. This guy living with pigs had a different thought. So if you know somebody that's real nasty, say, do you need to go live with some pigs for a little bit? There's just a new thought will come. Verse 18, and here's this thought. I want to go back to my father's house, and this is what I'm going to say. Father, I was wrong. And we know that that's a repentive heart, correct? That's a good thing. You need that. This is where it all begins. I have sinned against you. Verse 19, I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. This is where he's at. I'm ready to go. Verse 20. So the young son set off for home and from a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son, who was a complete jerk, who was nothing but nasty to the family, right? Uh, who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, kissed him over and over with tender love, ignoring the smell, as Joel housing version. Imagine the stench that's coming off this guy. There's a lot going on here, yet the father is so excited to see his son home. Verse 21, then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be, boom. And the father interrupted and he said, Son, what matters to the father? You're home now. Come on, say that with me. Son, you're home now. Man. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick. Now this is covenant talk. We'll probably get into this sometime, but... For you and I, as we're now in this home, we have to understand that we have a covenant with God. God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping, covenant-talking God. So a lot of times when you hear people talk, oh God, could you please, can you, well, God, why did you let this happen? God, why do you do this? You're not covenant-minded. 
This is how God operates. And this is the style of talk that's in this home is learning to talk your covenant, learning to talk the agreement that he has between the father and Jesus. And because I'm in Christ Jesus, I partake of the same covenant. So we've got to learn a new way of lingo, a new way of talk, right? Which is really faith's way of operating. Okay. So covenant talk says this quick, bring me the best robe my own robe, and I'm going to put it on this stinky guy's shoulders. But he's nasty. Don't you see, like, remember the older brother? This son of yours wasted it all. But what's the father thinking? Covenant. I'm in covenant with him. So this religious guy can just miss out on the party, and that's what he eventually did. And then he also said, bring me my best robe and I'll place it on his shoulders. Bring me the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes that you can find for my son because servants don't wear shoes, sons do. Then he says, let's prepare a great feast and we're going to celebrate. Why? Because this beloved son of mine who I'm in covenant with was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found, and everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. This is why heaven celebrates when one sinner comes back into the kingdom, because God has cut a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as soon as somebody embraces what Jesus has done, all of heaven rejoices because another one is partaking of the covenant between God and Jesus. Are you in this covenant? Woo, man, this is what I'm talking about. This is happy ground. This is giddy up. This is exciting stuff because you're part of that same covenant. So Jesus paid, again, a tremendous price for you and I to hear these words, your home now. Come on, shout that out with me. Your home now. Now make it personal. I'm home now. Why? Because of how good you were? No, you couldn't even shower enough to get that stench off of you. Why are you now considered good and right? Because of Jesus, right? So now, and so much so that the sacrifice of Jesus actually says this about your and I stance with him in Ephesians 2.19. Anybody have this memorized yet? Good, we'll read it again. He says, so now you are not foreigners or guests. Jesus' sacrifice didn't make you a guest in heaven. He didn't make you a foreigner looking to get your temporary residence. You're in. Shout it, I'm in. in. And if I'm in, then I'm out. I'm out, so I'm in. I'm in what? I'm in Christ. Now I'm a child of the city of the holy ones with all the rights. I have rights. Do you have rights? Yes, why? Well, I'm I'm a good person. No, your goodness means nothing in this covenant. This is a covenant. So why do I have all the rights as a family member of the household of God? Because I'm in covenant with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm in covenant. So this is who you are. This is what I am. Now, so the emphasis of what we've been talking about is waking up to our family identification. You are royalty. You're not on your way to becoming royalty. That's who you are right now. And it actually says in Romans that all of creation is waiting for the manifestation or the realization of the sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's who you are now. Not one day when you get to heaven. You're a child of God now. Therefore, you are royalty. 
So what we're learning is learning to think like royalty so that we can start acting like royalty, right? There's nothing worse than somebody trying to be royal and their thinking is all out of whack because they'll just keep going back to living with the pigs. So we have to change the way that we think because this is who you already are. You are well on your way to becoming the person you already are. You are royalty. So when you, you know, whenever you walk into a store, you can go, hello. Walmart will be going, what's wrong with you? Royalty has entered. Hello. What's wrong with you? I'm a child of the most high God. You're weird. That's what you think. (laughs) But my church family thinks I'm cool. Anyways. So now that you're home... One of the major things you and I need to understand is the focus of this home. What's this home's focus again? What's the goal that's your home now? Is it just so you can eat Cheetos all day and just kind of wait for the angels to do stuff for you? What's the goal? It's now to change our behavior, change our thinking, change our speaking, change our attitudes to be just like Jesus. That's the goal. And I'll give you scriptures again because um, everybody's just playing, oh, I forgot. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Uh, so Romans 8, verse 29, he says this, for he, talking about the Father, um, knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. So what's your call? Son, you're home now? What's the purpose? To share the likeness of his son. This means that the son, who is the oldest amongst a vast family of brothers and sisters, who will become just like him. So this is where we're going. One day we're going to get a body that's just like him. But till that day, we're changing the way that we think so that we become just like him. Man, I don't know about you, church. This is the greatest news that you could hear. That you're not stuck looking up, oh, I really like you know, that, you know, that football team or I like that soccer team or I like how that person sings or I like that mathematician and I just want to be like them. That is so, you are setting your sights so low compared to who you get to be like. I get to be just like Jesus. Oh, man. So listen, that means that my grumpy days are really over. Because Jesus doesn't go, what do you want? I'm having an off day. I need some espresso to keep me up here a little bit. I got a bunch of whiny kids down there. He's not like that. He's full of joy. Monday morning, you go to Jesus and guess what? Hey. Right? He doesn't need Maxwell. You know, the best part of waking up is what company? Folgers? There's no Folgers in heaven. Some of you are going to be like, oh, are you kidding me? We're going to be singing the best part of waking up is the Holy Spirit beside me. Hey. Sorry to ruin your, <laughs> your heavenly moment there. but Now verse 30. Now having determined our destiny. Whose destiny? Our destiny. Having determined it, meaning it's already been termined, determined by the Father what your and my destiny is. Notice what he did then. Isn't it good to know that the one who knows what you're supposed to do with your life, he says, now I'm calling you to be with me so that you can carry it out. But while you're with me, I'm going to transfer my 
perfect righteousness to everyone that I've called. And to those who possess his perfect righteousness, I'm also co-glorifying with the son so you can become just like him. God has absolutely taken care of the whole thing. There's nothing that you go and God goes, oh man, I forgot to add that to the equation. He's taking care of your life from birth to the end. He knows it all. So the best thing that you and I could do is to spend the time with him to not only look like Jesus, obviously, but to hear what specific steps am I supposed to take in my life? It's, and this requires more than just, God, what do you want me to do? I'm just, I'm just asking, I'm just seeking, I'm looking at self-help books. You know, oh, that guy does that. I'm going to try that same thing. You have the creator himself willing to show you. So now, Galatians also 4.19, again, I want you to see the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is emphasizing. And now the Galatian church, they got off of grace by, or faith by grace, and they started going into works to receiving from God. I have to act a certain way. I have to do something in order to get God to do something on my behalf. And the Apostle Paul is saying to them, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your life. This is what he's constantly after. This is what the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is for. Sometimes we just use the Holy Spirit as, Holy Spirit, I got a problem. Can you fix it? And that there's nothing wrong with that, but it's so limited to what the high call of his job is to be. What's his role? John 16 says is he's there to actually reveal Jesus to you. Because it's a very, this is not just a biblical perspective, this is truth all around natural perspective as well, is that whatever you look at, you become. So the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal, meaning so you can see him clearly through his word and you go, I see him. And now you take on that same image, you take on that same mindset, you take on that same speaking, and you become just like him in that area. Some of you have developed so well that you look like Jesus, you can act like him in traffic. Well done! But what are you like at home? We're nice when we get here, but you get home, and you could be a real piece of work to your spouse. (laughs) I see elbows going like this. Listen to the guy. Listen to So it's not just I have my church world and I'm great churchy. I can, listen, we perfected church talk. How are you? I'm blessed and highly flavored. I'm doing well. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we can talk churchy. We got the words for it. But then we get home and we're mean as hell. There's no difference between you and the world. And we go, what's wrong with you? You haven't seen him yet. Sometimes we go, oh, I'm just, no, we talk about the bad sins. Listen, being mean is just as bad as covetousness. Why is there a difference? So if I start treating my meanness towards my spouse or my children as I would, you know, fornication, I would change that, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's wrong. All right, moving along. That's not my thing, but all right. So now how is my life going to look like Jesus? How does it happen? By changing the way that I think. It requires a different mindset. And sometimes, in order to change the way that I think, I need to be hearing the right stuff or I need to get around some different people. Because <laughs> listen, we got a whole Facebook world that wants to tell you, tell you, tell you, that those are false prophets. 
They're false. They just talk, 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 talk of what they think, of what they want to say. Listen, it may be crucial that you and I start changing who we hanging around with. And look at this, Acts 4.13. 4, I love this verse. It says, now this is right after uh, James and, or uh, Peter and John. They raised up that, that beggar at the beautiful gate. Man who never walked before and everybody was amazed. Those religious people don't like that, right? They just simply, they get jealous. They didn't like that. They took him in to question him. And while they're, you know, threatening them, don't longer preach in the name of Jesus. You're no longer to do this and blah, 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 blah. Now they notice that this, the men of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court, they saw something. They saw the confidence and the boldness of Peter and John. And they grasped the fact that they were uneducated and simply ordinary men. But... They were astounded at something because they recognized that they had been with someone. They had been with Jesus. See, a lot of times we're praying for, Lord, just give me confidence. Just give me boldness. If you're not spending time with him, it's hard to get that. You can't just pray for this stuff. Boldness is simply a fruit of who you're hanging around with. And particularly, this man, the Lord Jesus. Now, I like it. Another translation says it like this. Um, they learned that they were uneducated men and they had no religious training, but then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them, the effect that Jesus had on them. And then these next words I love so much, simply by spending time with him, (laughs) simply, come on, simply, simply what spending time with him. That caused these religious leaders, the ones that are telling them to stop doing this stuff, to threaten them. All of a sudden, they stopped and they went, there's something different about these two guys. They, they're bold. They're confident. They have no religious training like what we have. Yet, they're doing amazing things. We don't understand. All that we know is Jesus had an effect on them. That's what it's supposed to be. We want Jesus to have an effect on us. Correct? We want this service, Jesus, to have an effect on us. Right? Okay. So now spending time with him isn't just a religious duty, but change is the result in a relationship. So now if you turn with me, go to John chapter 15. And while you're turning there, I want you to think of this too, but how do you spend your time? Now we are all aware of spending money. We term, we know that term and how, how much are you spending? What are you spending your money on? And da, 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 da. But have you ever thought about this? What are you spending your time on? Who are you spending your time on? What are you spending your time on? When I allow my life, my thinking to be impacted by the home, I will start to live from a greater or a higher level. And that's what we all want. Is that, is that not true? is I want to live my life from a higher place, from a greater place, so that home, when I say home, I'm talking heaven. Heaven is not where you're going. Heaven is where you're from. That has to be a change of mindset. Not he- Yeah, one day we will be there together, absolutely, but that's where you originate from. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, John 3 tells us that you've been born from above. Meaning that I have been temporarily sent here for a human existence. I'm not looking for the supernatural to, oh, I just hope that spectacular things happen. No, that is the norm because I come from there. So now what you and I want, now that I've been born from above, I have to allow the home 
to operate or to really impact the way that I think. Same way, even naturally speaking, with our children at our house. What do we want? We want our children to think like the home. My children don't belong to government. They never will. I want them to hear me. They do not belong to you. They belong to me and my wife. These are my children. And so my job is to train them up in the way that they should go so they won't depart. But it's also to showcase the love and the goodness of God. Now, I'm not telling them I'm brainwashing in the sense of just think this and act this way. Yes, sir, we will do that, Father. I'm not making robots. I'm teaching them how to think properly because, like, listen, as they get older, they're starting to really notice dark and light. It's almost the devil's really overplaying his hand. So it makes it real easy going, son, what do you, what do you see here? That's bad. That's good. There you go. My Big Fat Greek Wedding came out this past week. Anybody seen Big Fat Greek Wedding number one? I really liked it. I like that old guy named Gus because the Greek word for this is come from this and then and there you go. I see our Heavenly Father that same way like when he created the heavens and the earth and there's the Vata and there you go. Well, with my kids, that's right, that's bad. There you go. Very simple. But now, in these last days, it's crucial that I learn to where to live, I need to learn where to abide. And I know this is something you've probably heard, you could probably quote these scriptures real good, but it is absolutely required of you and I in these last days that we spend our time wisely, obviously with the Lord, but we also bring people around us that think this way so we start impacting culture to a greater way. I'm not talking about little Christian social clubs. We need to go out into the world. But I'm not talking about going out to the world to find out what they think so that I can go, how can I win them? No, no, you win them with the word. You win them with, with love and with truth. That's how we win them, right? So Jesus in John chapter 15, before he goes to the cross, listen, before anybody gives their last words, those seem to be, you know, real heightened words or words that you really want to pay close attention to. And this is 24 hours before Jesus is heading to the cross. He pulls his disciples in real close. He's trying to impart something to them before he goes. And this is what he says. I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that continues to bear fruit what does he do he prunes meaning if you've been bearing fruit you've been you know you've been operating as a as a solid believer you're seeing results in your life and you're going man what there seems that just to be oh, rubbing me and things need to be like trimmed off that's a good thing because the reward for passing a test is another test Can it just be done? No, because what is all the pruning for? It's to look like him. So the pruning could go, oh man, what's going on in my life? Why does it seem so difficult? Why does it seem so harsh? Don't look at it from that perspective. If you can look at it going, there's some things that I need to cut off in my life for the purpose of not being more religious, but actually to be more like my, my big brother, Jesus. Every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly, 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 come on, repeatedly. Listen, I have a gardener of a mother. This is what she does. If, if she goes away on vacation, my job is to water the plants. And if I don't, 
This past summer, I chased, I have some witnesses. There was a buck that was walking in the, their yard, going after her plants, starting to eat them. I jumped off the chair and I took off after that deer. Get out of here! And I tried to catch it. How close was I? Not that close. But I'm like, mom, I risked my life for your plants. When it hails, guess what I'm doing? Uh, uh, uh. Mom, are you sure? Yes, get the plants, get the plants. That will heal, that'll be okay. But get the plants in. <laughs> Mom, I did it. You forgot one. <laughs> so I understand the nature of a vine dresser. You do everything to protect the vines, you do everything to protect those branches. Now the purpose of repeatedly being pruned is so that you will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. Verse three, you are already clean because of the word which I have given to you, the teachings that I've discussed with you. So how does the Lord prune? Verse three gives us real clear. He we prunes with the word. He doesn't prune with accidents. He doesn't prune with flat tires. He doesn't prune with disaster in your life. He prunes with his word. Just like a good father would do with his children. I'm going to, hey, that, that is real selfish behavior. I'm not going to just beat the snot out of him. What am I going to do? Is I'm going to use my words. Let's look at it from this angle, son. Let's try it this way. Okay, yeah, I got it. And so they start changing by the way that we speak. Our father's the same way. Now, verse four, he says, remain in me. That word remain is the word mino, the Greek. And listen to this. It's a verb. Say with me, verb. Remain. We kind of just see that as we'll sit and just kind of hang out. Remain is a verb, meaning there's action required. You have to diligently work to sit still. Anybody ever take time? You're ready to pray in other tongues? You sit down in your chair and you start going. All of a sudden, you start going, I better check my email because I wonder if, you know, that guy from 1994 that I talked to, I wonder if he's going to email me. All of that starts rolling around in your head. And you start thinking, I haven't had a granola bar today. I maybe should. This is all while you're praying in other tongues. It requires such diligence to stay put. Y'all listen? I mean, I had a friend of mine, he said it like this. Sit good Christian, good Christian, who's a good Christian, who's a good Christian, sit, like the same way you would train your dog, sit, don't move, good Christian, this is what Jesus is telling you and I, he's saying remain, or the, the verb is to stay, stay in me, and I will stay in you, just as no branch Listen, we're going to define the relationship here real quick. No branch can bear fruit by itself without staying connected to the vine. Neither can you. Say it. Neither can I. Neither can I what? Bear fruit producing evidence of my faith unless I stay in him. Verse 5. I Now here's the, the definition. I am the vine. Jesus is the vine. What is the vine? It's where all the life comes from. All the energy, the source of everything that you and I need is found in Jesus. You are a branch. But we act like vines. 
I'm a branch. What do branches do? Wow. There is nothing branches can do outside of the vine. The vine is all the source of everything you and I need. It's all life is flowing through that vine. If I stay out from that vine, I'll be finished reading. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me, you can do no thing. Now, this is true for our individual life. This is true in the political realm. This is true in the business realm. This is true in the entertainment realm. Apart from him, I can do no thing. Apart from him, I can't be an effective husband to my wife. Apart from him, I cannot be an effective father to my children. This is where it begins. So it's actually for Jamie's behalf that I love Jesus more than I love her. And she has the same relationship with me. It's Jesus first. Joel, you're a great number two. Great. Why would I be jealous of that? It's going to benefit me. That's how this works. Verse six, he says, if anyone does not stay in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch, withers and dies, and they gather such branches and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Yo. Verse seven, but if you stay, come on, if you stay, so notice this is contingent on you and I making a decision here. If you stay in me, And notice what he says, and my words stay in you. That is, if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart. Other translation says, my message or my words, they take hold of you. If it takes hold of you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done. When I read that, my prayers being answered lies more on me than it does the Father. Can you see this? We kind of go, well, it's all up to God. No, it's not. Is his word living on the inside of you? Like we're talking about living. Not just, oh, man, uh, what's that verse again that I remembered in, you know, back, back in the day preschool? Uh, uh, yeah, Jesus wept. Yeah, yeah, uh, there's a verse. It, it's not, it's, it's got to be actively alive on the inside of you. And just for time's sake, y'all, if downstairs, could you just go with me to Proverbs chapter 6? I'm going to just finish it right here. And then next week I'll show an example of this. But Proverbs chapter 6, I want you to see this is, what it's, this is what the word is supposed to do. Now Solomon talking, my son, be guided by your father's God-given commandment or instruction. And do not reject the teaching of your mother. Now listen, bind them continually upon your heart and in your thoughts. And tie them around your neck. When you walk, now listen, this is what the word living inside of you is to do. When you walk about... The godly teachings, what are they going to do? It's going to guide you. Anybody go, wow, man, I've, I've, all of a sudden you came, I'm, I'm going to go do this. I, I'm, I'm going to go that way. Well, where did you get that from? It just seems like the right thing to do. That's the word living inside of you, now taking responsibility to lead and direct your life. See, so much of the time, we put so much eggs in our own basket going, I got, Lord, what am I supposed to do with my life? Lord, I got to just pray about it. Go speed tongues and then, amen. Uh, I'm going to do this. And waiting on the inside, if you would just take the time ahead of the decision that's coming my way to really build the word, allow it to live on the inside of me, then when that decision comes, I'm ready. 
How did I know I was supposed to marry Jamie? How do, my, how do I know that? Like, think of it. There's not a book of Joel outside of the word of God for me that says, hey, Joel, this is where you're going to live. This is what it's going to be like. And that's the girl for you. There's nothing at all. Opportunities to go move to New York, live in New York City. It was, it was, for Joel Housing, I'd be like, let's go. Sweet. But now, no. Red Deer. <laughs> Everyone went, oh, you sure? You don't want to feel a call to New York? Where, what is that? It's the word living inside that guides you. See, sometimes, well, Lord, I need a scripture for this exact thing. No, it's, it's just the word having access to be able to talk to you, and he'll start directing. And he also says, when you sleep, when you're sleeping, even the word, what's it going to do? It's going to keep watch over you. And then when you wake up, you don't need Folgers in your cup. Why? Because the word is going to talk to you. How do you know the word is living in you? It starts talking to you. That all of a sudden you're going about your day and you start hearing verses and scriptures running through your mind. You're going, whoa, what's that for? Man, just spend some time thinking on it. So how do you build the word into you? Is you just take the time. And I'm not talking, okay, I got to read Genesis through Leviticus by the end of today. No, no, no. Just grab a scripture or three and just start thinking on it, building it on the inside of you. And Lord, Holy Spirit, would you reveal that? Show me Jesus in this verse. I, I need to see a clear picture on this, how it's supposed to impact my life. Show me that, Lord. And that's the Holy Spirit's job then, is to impart the wisdom, it's to impart the instruction, it's to impart and start speaking back to you. That's what God said. I am watching over my word to perform it. So... For time's sake, I'm going to finish there because otherwise we're just here for open up a whole nother can of worms. But I just encourage you this week, just find a couple of scriptures. If you're dealing with, man, I just have a hard time believing God loves me. I know a great place to start. Ephesians 1, 4, 5, 6. Read that over and over and over and over. And when you think you've read it, guess what? Read it again and again and again and again and again and again. Come on, y'all. And again and again and again. All of a sudden, the thought comes contrary to that. I go right back to the word. This is what he said, Ephesians 1, 4, 1, 5 through 6. Again and again and again and again. What are you doing? You're building it on the inside of you continually. And before you know it, that word is going to start talking to you. When those thoughts come, guess what will come bubbling up? But the word says he loves me. And that thought will have to leave. That's how we fight. We build the word in. Amen? Amen.